This podcast is being powered by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So today I learned something very new. I learned about the jail system and how mental health is treated in there. I have my friend Steven from the Confound Millennial who has experienced this firsthand and he is ready to talk about his experience. Also trigger running, we do talk about the topic suicide. So if this may be triggering, I don't recommend listening on. But if not, enjoy. Hey y'all, welcome back to Mentally a Badass. My name is Justine and I have a guest today named Steven. He is from the podcast, The Confound Millennial. And today we are going to talk about his um, experience living with a very strict um, religious family, um, also how he was homeless and also in jail as well. So I'm very excited to talk about that with him. So Steve, would like to introduce yourself to the world. Hey, I'm uh, Stephen Sturvin Michaels. I, like she said, I'm the host of the Confound Millennial podcast for about two and a half years now. And I recently, and I mean like 15 minutes ago, found a quote that uh, I feel like really sums up my life. I don't know what show the quote is from, but the quote is, life is a party and I'm the pinata. <laughs> I love that. That's actually like really funny. And I, I, I totally get that quote and everything. That's that's really funny. Oh, my gosh. Awesome. Okay. So I do want to talk about um, topic-wise. I want you to talk about your experience living with a super religious family. Um, for me personally, I am Catholic. And I did go to, like, Catholic school. And my mom is uh, religious. But she wasn't really – she's not really strict. I mean, she, she, of course, wanted us to, like, go to church. But – I wasn't really into doing that. Um, like I have my faith, I believe in God, but I'm not really consistent with going to church or doing things like that. Um, so she never really pushed me to doing that, but I wanna hear more of like your experience with your family. Spiritual, not religious. Like, like Oh, I thought I you am. said religious, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm saying uh, okay. my parents are religious. I'm spiritual, gotcha. but okay. not religious. That makes um, sense. And I think that's kind of what you were going at as well. But, um, you know, I believe in a God, but I don't really go to church. Uh, mm -hmm. I've been burned by a lot of churches. And, um, but yeah, I grew up, uh, we were talking about music before we started recording. And, you know, I'm really big into music now. My podcast is halfway me uh, interviewing rock stars now and or what I call rock stars. And they, um, my parents had me listen to absolutely nothing but contemporary Christian music until I was 15. Hmm. So I'm just now really discovering my side of music, what I'm into and all of that and exploring that realm. But I had recently mentioned on my podcast a couple weeks ago that 
somebody had, or let me take that back. I had shaved my beard down to a goatee and mustache and I curl my mustache sometimes. And, um, my mom started yelling at me because I was obviously trying to look like Satan. Right? Like, imagine if she saw me wearing eyeliner right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I actually, I went through an emo phase when I was in high school. Me too. And did not like it. Uh, I got my ears pierced. I, um, you know, I started wearing eyeliner. I dyed my hair black and green. And they thought I it was a personal attack against them. Oh, sorry about that. I uh, I probably went through an emo phase myself um, between the ages. Yeah, like throughout, through high school. Um, my Well, my sister, she would like make fun of me and such. And I was the only one in my family, um, like, you know, like cousin, long distance and, and such that basically dressed like that i i um i would like tease my hair straighten it eyeliner i would do like highlights i dyed my hair black i would um dyed my hair purple too and i would go to concerts like headbang drink like a month like monsters and all the time like i was like in that scene um and that was just like who i was and i like i don't dress like that anymore i mean i still like i mean i had like you know, black nail polish on, I like wear black. And I'm just like, I, I would totally dress like that again. Like I wouldn't like, like I'll be totally into, it. I still have like a lot of band shirts. <laughs> like I used to buy so many band shirts from Hot Topic. So I, yeah, I mean that, that just you know, is never going to leave me. And I, I feel like now I used to listen to a lot of like screamo and such. So like for me, I feel like I'm talking about myself. I shouldn't be talking about myself. <laughs> well, well, that's to your podcast. But long story short, completely relate. Um, but did you ever, like, when you were younger, did you, like, ever open up? Like, did you know you had mental health struggles? Or, like, did you just discover this recently? Oh, absolutely not. I, um, I actually didn't even. Okay, so I first started realizing I had mental health issues when I was 19. Uh, I got engaged and it was my first girlfriend I had. And it's not like we'd been together long. We'd been together three months, but I was 19. I'd never had a girlfriend. I'd never had a girl interested in me, uh, at that point or that I was aware of looking back, you know, there was tons of girls interested in me, but my self-esteem was just so low. I couldn't see it. But, uh, she, cheated on me two months before the wedding and I thought I was going to end it all. And I ended up checking myself into a, uh, short term week long mental hospital. And that's when I got the first diagnosis of, uh, major depression and anxiety as well, which I didn't, I just thought I was a worrier. I didn't realize I had anxiety and uh, I also struggled with OCD growing up, which part of that, if you don't know about overly compulsive disorder, it's because generally speaking, it's because you feel like you have a lack of control in your life. So you gain control over whatever that one thing is. And that's your thing. That's how you have control. 
And I had zero control over my life. I didn't have a lock on my door. I uh, had zero privacy. My uh, When I was 15, my younger brother was born. I love him to death. But um, my mom would wake me up by throwing him on my bed <laughs> every morning. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> five minutes to wake up. Dang it. Oh, man. So uh, would you would you consider that you were very sheltered as a child? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So sheltered. Um and like my mom, uh, when I started dating that girl, she got me into smoking cigarettes to deal with my anxiety. And I remember one day my mom smelled it on me. She grabbed my hand, smelled my hand, and then she's like, You are smoking didn't talk to me for a week oh man but um, like with the music like i said with the music i wasn't really i mean it was all fine and dandy until i realized like how bad it was yeah like uh my mom you know i hope she doesn't see this but who who cares uh very <laughs> mentally abusive my dad uh physically and you know, it it took until I mentioned earlier, like I'm still finding out things about myself. Uh, you know, I was 19 when I realized I had depression, anxiety. It was last year that I realized I had PTSD. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that the way you're explaining how you're the way you're explaining your family, how they're very strict and controlling and your mom would be verbally abusive dad would be physically abusive like that is very traumatic so you saying that you have ptsd like i like that completely makes a lot of sense like it all manifests throughout like all your years and then when you were 19 when you were about to marry that girl and she cheated on you that was probably extremely triggering for you and then all of a sudden you collapse because it all just manifested um and it's just like for me, like I discovered I had mental health issues when I was 17 um, and I had a mental breakdown myself. I didn't go to, I didn't check myself in, but I had a pretty like big breakdown kind of thing. Like I was triggered and, it, and I was triggered by a guy that like screwed me over. And it's like, it's just, I have like a whole podcast about that, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, I completely relate to you on that level. And it's just it's anything that really happens in our childhood and our in like our teenage life follows us into the adult world. And now we have to pick up the pieces and spend a lot of our time healing from it while also healing from the stresses of being an adult. So it's definitely is, challenging. The abusers rarely realize that they're a problem. Yeah. And that's like the sad part too. Themselves. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of people who are just, like for me, so I have a I have a degree in psychology, so I, have, I know a little bit knowledge wise, and then also just like me educating myself about like mental health and such. Like I can I can I'm also really good at feeling people's energy and like kind of seeing where they're showing signs, and it's just kind of like matter. Like I post a lot of things on Instagram, just like hopefully like a lot of people look at it and they like okay maybe I do have some issues and I probably should get the help and. It's just like a lot of people are like, there's still a huge stigma around mental health where people 
don't think they have a problem because they don't think they have a problem because they don't see it. And people don't understand that an outside perspective is extremely different. Like even when sometimes when people act on camera or even on YouTube or whatever, and just being social, then they can look back at it and like a year later and you can see like different, like you can see yourself like either like grow or just, it's just like for me personally, like I've been doing YouTube since 2016 and I see a completely different person and it's just, and that just shows like a person's outside perspective. It's like you're looking at yourself, but you're looking at it as an outside perspective. So now you're noticing things because you're not in that position anymore internally. So that's my two cents with that. Um, it's but, like, yeah. you know, I had mentioned to my mom at one point, uh, we got in a fight and I was like, I'm not sure which one, but you're either a sociopath or a psychopath. <laughs> Pulls out her phone, Googles it, calls me back and says, I don't think I'm either one of those. I'm like, well, that's the point of being either one of those is you wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, if you were, you wouldn't think you are. That's when you know. Also, they just don't like to admit it, too. It's another thing. It's fear. Um, I mean, I've my my father, my father's got to love my father. Like, he's not like abuse or anything like that, but um, he's still is not as knowledgeable as like me and my mother and but he is definitely trying his best but i can definitely tell um that talking about very serious things i know he can kind of feel a little uncomfortable from it and it's just he's growing from it. i'm just very happy ever since i had my big breakdown where i wanted to end my life and i was 17 that woke him up and it's just very sad how something so traumatic has to happen for someone to like open their eyes and decide, okay, I think I should start learning about this because mental health is like, it's your freaking brain. It's your brain. And like people don't understand that your brain is the one of the most like, like pretty much, yeah, one of the most important organs that keeps you going. So, and then people, I don't know, like, I just, I just don't, it's just, it's just very confusing. There's also like, yeah, I think I just kind of like got a like a uh, dead end of what I was saying. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of shady, though, isn't it? The brain decides that the brain is the most important. Hmm? I know, right? Um, I do also because we when we when we did have a conversation before before we started this podcast, um, you were talking about um, that you did experience um, being in jail and not being able to take your meds. I do know you can't talk fully about your experience or certain things that need to be confidential. Of course, I respect that. So whatever that you can share, legally share, I would have loved to hear about it. So pretty much what had happened was, at, to the most that I can share, is that um, – you know, I was I was homeless for a while. I had uh, really I got to take it back real quick to, um, you know, I was I was living pretty well. Uh, I was living in an apartment, two bedroom by myself. One of the bedrooms was my podcast studio and I was working a pretty good job and I just started getting burned out. And I thought I needed a vacation, uh, but I had a panic attack at work and I slammed a door and one of my coworkers decided he was going to try to fight me over it. So I left and that day my uh, landlord decided to go up on rent by 250 bucks. And 
I didn't know what I was going to do. So I just decided I was going to set my podcast up at a friend's house and I was going to sleep in my car. And I ended up not sleeping in my car. I had enough friends to let me couch hop. But eventually I ended up at my parents who they wouldn't let me sleep on the couch, but they would let me sleep in a shed they had outside. And I set up, it was a pottery shop because my parents do pottery, but I set up my podcast in there and everything, but I was living with my parents again and I had had a drinking problem when I was younger. And I just being back with my parents, I could not cope. So I went back to drinking hardcore I was drunk for about a year straight and uh, they didn't even know. And one night I got drunk in front of them and going back to the sheltering thing, they saw that I was drunk that one time. So they assumed I must have a very bad drinking problem. And they decided to confront me about it while I was drunk. And it turned into a fight because everything, everything between me and my mom always turns into a fight. And my dad always tries to fist fight me when I get into a verbal fight with my mom. Fast forward, they kick me out. Um, they chase me out. I can't go into too much detail about the chasing me out, but um, I ended up getting i called the cops because i was drunk i shouldn't be driving but i had to leave the property and so the cops said meet me at um or the 911 operator said meet us at the uh head of the subdivision i got there and it was a guy that i had he was a youth group leader back in the day for me so he starts calling me Sturvin. That's my nickname. And uh, I'm like, oh, God, come on. And uh, eventually, you know, he was real. I don't know if I can say this, but he was a dick. So um, he uh, he ends up cuffing me for uh, the drunk driving and getting me for criminal trespassing, which I'm like, get me for one of them. And I left. So I'm not trespassing. That's why you gave me the drunk driving thing, because I left. But either way, I end up in jail. Uh, it's a six-hour charge getting a DUI. Uh, that's the most that they usually lock you up for. But COVID was going on. Now, a little thing about COVID in the state of Georgia right now. If you get locked up, you're in there till your court date or till somebody bails you out. Now, court dates are booked out almost two years because of COVID. So if no one bailed me out, I would still be in there. And wow. my parents started calling everybody and convincing them not to bail me out. So I was in there on a six-hour charge for 13 days. And... um they wouldn't give me my mental health meds for the first week I was in there. Hi, y'all. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode. The best way for my podcast to grow is for you guys to share my podcast to your friends, 
family, neighbors, coworkers, or a random person on the street, or whoever that had ears that can listen to audio. That is how we grow. Leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts is also very helpful as well. Lastly, you totally do not have to do this, but if you want to support my dream of being a content creator full-time, you could donate as low as $1 through listener support that is linked in my podcast bio. Alrighty, I'm done here. Now let's continue the rest of the episode. And I called every day. Like I hit the button on the cell, like trying to talk to the guards, like, hey, I need my meds. Uh, Let me talk to somebody. Let me get a second chance on my one phone call. Because another thing that really sucks about the uh, prisons, uh, jail system, whatever, you get the one phone call. If nobody answers, you're just effed. Like, and I use my one phone call. The only people I knew or phone numbers I knew by heart were my parents. So I ended up calling an old church that didn't like me anymore because I had one guy that worked there that I knew that would bail me out and he didn't nobody answered nobody was there that day so i kept trying to get them to help me get my meds and eventually within a week they relented and got a hold of my uh doctor and let me get my meds but that was already too late i was already thinking about ways to off myself while i was in jail which they say is very hard to do if you want to you can which is scary. Uh, It's terrifying that they wouldn't give me my meds. And I told them when I got in there, like I need my meds or I get suicidal real quick. That's crazy. And isn't that like, I don't really know like the laws in regards to that, but like that's medical and that's like denying medical attention. Isn't that illegal? Mm -hmm. I'm bringing it up in court whenever I go to court eventually. But, uh, They can, cops and uh, jail guards, they can do what they want. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, I've never been to jail, so I never really had, like, first hand on it. I've been, like, you know, I watch shows, but that doesn't really give me much information on that. But, like, for me, I'm on a lot of meds. I'm on, like, for my med, I'm on meds for my mental health. I'm on meds for, I have glaucoma. And like that's serious too. And I just, I just have a call. I can't even imagine. Like I always get nervous. I go like traveling and I forget my meds because like, it's just with my medication. If I go cold Turkey, I can potentially like get a seizure and like in the hospital or die or yeah. So one uh, one of my first podcasts coming back, uh, from that situation was with, I don't know if you're familiar with the libertarian party. But um, it's a third party political party. It was a uh, uh, it was the main leading one in the last election of third parties. And I had their um, vice presidential candidate on the show, uh, Spike Cohen, and I was telling him the story and he started telling me he hears weekly about people either having seizures or dying because jails won't give them their meds. Like he was telling me a story about somebody that had, I want to say it was uh, HIV or AIDS that had gone without their medication for two months and died because of it. 
while they were in jail and nothing had nothing has still been done in the court system about that uh situation i guess he's so mad i mean i don't plan on going to jail anytime any ever in my life but mm -hmm. now it just makes it even scarier <laughs> like I told, when i called my friends when i got out they were like yeah we heard and we were like we didn't know what the hell you did man <laughs> it was like uh we didn't you were the last person i expected to see in the bad and busted oh my gosh i've been actually do you know the uh, what's that that's oh is that that's like your mugshot yeah interesting um i've been watching lately on hulu the fosters have you ever heard of that show mm -mm. so it's it was on freeform i mean it's not it's not on anymore but i'm watching on hulu and it's pretty much it talks it talks about the issues of the foster system and then like how a lot of you know foster kids you know they end up in juvie or jail or whatever because the system is so messed up and it just talks a lot about that and it just shows like what's so screwed up about the system and like you know a jail and how people are treated and such and it's like it's just really horrible like how scary the system is here in america and how there's like there's so many documentaries out there where people being like even put to death for something they didn't even do because the system is just so it's not even like who's right and who's wrong it's just like who has the best lawyers and who can you know um convince the jury or like it's just it's just it's not even like right or wrong like that's the scary part of the justice system like if i even like i wouldn't even get scared if i get a key for something like i wouldn't like kill anybody or do anything like that it's just I've been very lucky that I never ever had to, you know, come down a situation. And I, man, I like, that's like so scary, like going through that. And man, I am just so happy to have you on my podcast because man, you are a badass for that. That's just like <laughs> insane, especially, you know, with having mental health issues and living with PTSD and then being in jail. Like I even think to myself because jail is so scary. Like you keep in like people get beat up and die and get raped and like, it's just horrifying. And I, oh my God, I like crying like my first day. I probably would end up being suicidal, That's but. <laughs> That's where I was for a week in there. Oh my God. And I held it together for the most part, but the moment uh, I saw the first people, the person that I had called, uh, finally, he worked for a church and they weren't accepting visitors, but he used his church pass to be able to convince them to let me see him. Okay, that makes sense. I was bawling. Mm -hmm. I was crying like a bitch. Like, it was bad. I couldn't talk. I was just, the second I got to where I was in front of this person that I considered safe, like, I was losing it. And uh, there was even a point in there where uh, when I told the story to a friend of mine, he's like, you went prison. Uh, you went prison, Stephen, man. Like uh, somebody was complaining about me and they came into my cell and was complaining about me to my cellmates. And I just bucked up on them. No way I could have won this fight. No way I could have won this fight. But I got up in his face and was like, if you want to and go there, get out of my cell. <laughs> he's like, you oh really want and luckily, my cellmates, they knew that I was not used to this. So they grabbed me, pulled me back, and they're like, he's not having a good day, man. Oh, Just leave. Yeah. 
I can't even imagine being in a situation like that. Like, oh my god, I would be crying every single second, like just every second of the whole time being in jail. I can never, I can never. Oh my goodness, that's one time I got pulled over for speeding, and that's probably the worst thing I ever. I mean, I I did underage drinking, obviously. I don't back in the day but um i mean a couple years ago i got pulled over for speeding which i didn't realize i was speeding but this guy he i also um had i didn't have florida license at the time and supposed to like get florida license plate after 30 days but then i didn't um so he pulled me over so i got he i got in trouble for that and then for the speeding and he said to me he's like so you know technically i could put you in jail tonight but i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna like let it go like he kind of he scared me so much like when i got pulled over i'm just like okay like obviously be respectful talk to the cop whatever you know and you know just give me a speeding ticket i, was like, I thought he's gonna like, literally just give me a speeding ticket and just call it a day like i'm like fine whatever like it's but like the fact that he threatened to put me in jail oh my god I was like, as soon as like he left, I was like crying all the way. I called my mom at like one in the morning. And I was like crying because like that just like scared me. And I don't. He was kind of like, he, he was being a dick, and like I just didn't like how he spoke to me. And I felt like he knew I was like you know a young girl, and who knows he could have been new and just like just like the way he spoke, like the way he talked to me. Like I think he enjoyed being a douche to me because he felt he had that power and it was just a bad experience. Like I know obviously like I actually obviously didn't don't get it as bad as like, you know, people who are black and such like, but I, I mean, I think just me also being a woman, it's just the way he talked down to me and like verbally and like trying to put me in jail. Like I wasn't okay with that, but I mean, I, I do know, like I do obviously am privileged to, to, you know, and I know a lot of people get a lot worse, but just to me, like I, it just kind of like shocked me a little bit. I was like, oh my God, I got to went to jail like that. It's just, it's like, you kind of like know that you're privileged when like something like that scares you. And like, I know. And I, I just, that was just my experience with it. And so I just, I wouldn't, I don't know. I, I don't probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't survive in jail, honestly. So you're great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> comments to that. If we got time for it. Um, uh, one is a good experience. One is a bad experience. I'll go with the bad experience first. Cause it's actually that night that I got pulled over and put in jail. Um, the cop asks as he, as they do, uh, do you have any weapons in the car? And I had a knife next to me. So I said, yeah, I've got a knife. Uh, do you want me to move it? You want to move it? His response <laughs> you don't bring a knife to a gunfight, boy. What? With his hand on his gun, you don't bring a knife to a gunfight, boy. I'm like, are you threatening me? Oh my god! He's like, I ain't threatening you. I'm just telling you, you don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Like, what the hell? It's like, yeah, that's a threat, dude. I and then the other story is uh it's a little bit of a lighter note. Uh have you ever watched Stranger Things? Like one or two episodes, but 
okay, so my friends and I are really into Stranger Things, and we had a party, and they said, dress as your favorite character. Now, I am all about the shock value. So I showed up in a pink dress as 11. And uh, I had the wig on and everything. And I leave the party and I get stopped at a roadblock. And cop comes up, shines the light on me. I'm wearing a dress. And he's, and this is a small little town in North Georgia, you know, Bible Belt. He's not used to this. He's like, what in the world are you dressed as right now? I was like, have oh you ever God. seen things? And luckily the guy replies to me, you've been watching season two. Is it any good? <laughs> and so he asked license registration, all that. I give him my license. It was expired by a month and I didn't know. Oh, gosh. I happen to be. Let me see if I can help you out here. Mm -hmm. And he comes back with a $150 ticket. And I'm like, geez, man, thanks. $150. Great. You know, I didn't say that to him, but in my head, I'm like, that that helped me out. Not until a week later did it dawn on me. Oh, I was supposed to get cuffed that night in a dress. Oh my god, that's kind of that's kind of funny. Um, oh, I think, yeah. I think, yeah. I was when I got pulled over. He didn't like ask me behind any like weapons. Like, do they just judge of who when they ask that to depending on who they see? I guess it. Every time I've been pulled over, I've been asked if I had a weapon. <laughs> no, I just can't yell that. I'm not even like the 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 guy that I told you about. He. When he came to me, he just started screaming at me. He's like, you have any idea how fast you were going? Just like yelling at me. And I'm like, I'm okay, I'm sorry. Like, he just give me a ticket. No, I didn't say that. But I was uh, like, why are you yelling? Like, what is the point of this? Like, okay, I'm like, okay, I broke the law. Sorry. Like, whatever. Give me a ticket. Give me my penalty. Like, I won't do it again. Like, just, <laughs> you know, he decided to scream at me and scare me and try to put me in jail. So... I didn't really understand why he did that. I felt like I have a record or anything like that. It's just, he was just a dick. I think he just loved the power kind of thing. And, um, but I do want to end this on, um, my last question is how do you cope with everything right now? Like with doing a podcast, like you've been through crap. Like how do you tell the world how you do this? <laughs> um, you, you know, you asked, how do I cope? How do I do the podcast? The answer is I do the podcast. Um, I don't really have much. I mean, like I've got stuff going for me, but when you have depression, you're a negative thinker. You don't, mm-hmm. you don't always thank, thank God for the good things in your life all the time because it's hard to see them. But And especially, you know, a life like mine, like I said earlier, life's a party. I'm the pinata. Um, It seems like I've got something going on every day. But Mm -hmm. since I started this podcast, I, I have something I can look forward to. I have something that I can 
you know, I always wanted to be an actor. I always wanted to do something in the entertainment industry. And whether I'm making money off of it or not, I'm finally doing something in the entertainment industry. And I went earlier this year, uh, I booked a band that, you know, I've had a few of my favorite bands, favorite all-time bands that a lot of people hadn't heard of, but they're my favorites. And I've had them on the show and I booked one that's kind of big and I can't say who it is yet because the episode hadn't come out yet, but um, I decided or it pumped me up and I decided I was going to hit up a couple people's managers and uh, try to get them on the show. And I hit up this guy, Ronnie Radke of falling in reverse, huge millions and millions of views per song on YouTube. And no, I did not get him on the show. But because I had the guts to do that, I got in touch with his PR company. And now they're sending me bands every week to interview. That's awesome. That is a high that you can't recreate through drugs or anything of the sort because I'm getting to do what I love. I'm getting to interview rock stars. And that's how I get through it is I have this podcast. I have this, you know, if I'm having a bad day, I can talk about it. And there's somebody out there that can listen and I, and they'll know you're not alone because Sturvin deals with it too. And, you know, maybe they can see how I deal with it and they can get through with it too. But you gotta, even though it's hard, you gotta look at the good. And my good right now is the podcast. And I'm so glad I've got it. I, you know, yeah, my depression kicks and sometimes I don't record when I should, or I don't release when I should, but I feel better when I do. And I know that. So I keep going. Mm-hmm. And that's the answer. That's a really good answer. Sorry to fly. Um, <laughs> that's a, that's a really good answer. And like, that's how I feel too, is that, um, with the people who have depression, it's just extremely, extremely important to find purpose in life because when you don't have like a, that hobby or something that keeps you going, that's when people start feeling like hopeless and then I want to don't feel like there's really any reason for them to live anymore. Um, for me, like I have my podcast, um, I, well, I, ha- I have my YouTube channel, I just haven't posted lately, and then I have well, One Hope One, I raise money for nonprofits and I make a difference through that, so that just keeps me going, knowing like when I share one hope and, you know, do the wine and all that. And I, I look back at my reports and I'm like, Oh my goodness. I, I raised X amount of money for this nonprofit. And it's just like, that keeps me going. Like that gives me a high is when I look at those reports and I'm like, I did that. So completely on that. I feel like we, we can relate literally on so many different levels. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I'm going to wrap it up here. I, think we really had such a good conversation and so much value and I really do appreciate you coming on here and letting us know like what that what is going on in this the, the system with jail and everything like I honestly had no idea no idea that that this was happening um so I really appreciate you know this exposing that to the world and such it really does like mean a lot um and I I would love to have you on again down the road to talk more. You're so much fun to talk to. 
Um, but yeah, I'm going to end this podcast here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I upload my podcast every single Saturday. And follow me on my social media. I'll also put Steven's Instagram as well. Um, so you can follow him as well. Um, but yeah, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. And talk to you soon. Okay.